It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Eric, we've been walking through life lessons, and I really love just this idea. Uh, in one, I think in a large part, just because it shows the grandeur and the beauty and the sovereignty of our God. Could you talk about what it means to have God create a masterpiece? Yeah. What on earth are we talking about? Yeah, the, there's multiple illustrations, I think, that we have discussed uh, in in our life together. And, and one of them is... Uh, the story of how this statue or the sculpture of David was crafted by Michelangelo. And so it's a masterpiece, right? Most people would say that. It's a little awkward to talk about that one and you usually just want a headshot of that particular <laughs> sculpture. But throughout history, it's considered one of the greatest artistic pieces of all time. And yet its storyline or its backstory is very similar to ours, which is where our life lesson comes, this making a masterpiece. Okay, so how does God make a masterpiece out of us? The slab of marble was purchased, I, I believe, by the city of Florence. I, I didn't do my research afresh before we went into this, so who knows what we're getting ourselves into. <laughs> and it's this massive slab of marble. I don't remember how tall it was, you know, 13, 15 feet. It was just massive. It could have even been bigger than that. It, it was huge. And multiple artisans had been commissioned by the city to actually shape this into a statue of David. And... At least, I think it was at least three, but I'm not positive, uh, had tried and failed. These are the best artists of the day and the best sculptures of the, sculptors of the day. And then the final one, uh, they're going to give it one more shot, and it was Michelangelo. But this slab of marble was called Goliath, and it's that which is standing and defying uh, the city of Florence from being able to showcase David. And I, I think that is, first of all, in and of itself, such an incredible picture of our spiritual life that we could will and desire to show Jesus in our, through our life, the son of David. But there's a Goliath that stands in the way. It's known as sin and selfishness. And we can't seem to solve this riddle, which is, of course, why the gospel is so important. So if we're going to make a masterpiece, we start right there. And uh, so out of this marble, this marred marble, it had holes through it because all these different artisans had tried and had failed. And so Michelangelo is inheriting a marred piece of marble. Isn't that a great statement of what Jesus inherits in our life? We're saying, okay, I don't know what to do with this, Lord, here. And it's turning it over to the master artist. And when we do, he can work wonders with it. So one of the, I, I think, the best pictures of this, you know, in Romans 8, it talks about we don't know how we ought to pray. And which definitely fits many of our lives. And we can, we can totally relate to that. We know we're supposed to pray, but we don't know how we are to pray. Like it, there's all sorts of circumstances where I'm like, God, I don't know what to ask for. What do you want? And it says, it's, it's this really interesting statement. It says the spirit makes intercession for us. And that word for intercession is different than the rest of what we see. Like we see that Christ is our intercessor. That's a different word. That's entuchano in the Greek. But this word of what the Holy Spirit is doing for us is hooper into kano. It's like sticking the word hyper in front of uh, the word intercession. So hyper intercession. What does that mean? Well, this the word for hyper is sort of over and above something. And so the mental picture that's sort of made its way down through the ages is that of the archer. And so you have this young boy who knows that he's supposed to hit the bullseye with this arrow, but this this bow that he has is 
is very hard to pull and he can't seem to shoot the arrow far enough. He can't pull the bow back far enough. He's just not strong enough for it. So he knows what he's supposed to do. He just doesn't know how to do it. And I could say, welcome to Christianity right there. But the spirit makes intercession. And so what that word for Hooper and Tucano is, is that it's like a father stepping over a young boy and grabbing his hand on the bow and grabbing his hand on the arrow and uh, on the string and pulling it back. And then the boy and him together are going to shoot this. Now, who's actually the one using his strength to shoot that uh, arrow? It's the father. But the boy is the one with the satisfaction of making the shot. So even though it's the father bringing his strength to bear, it is really the boy that is actually accomplishing something. He really did hit the bullseye. How did he do that? Well, it wasn't because of his ability. It was because of the father's. And that is a magnificent picture of how we are able to create this great master or how God is able to create a great masterpiece in us. <clears throat> Could you quickly share the putt-putt story? Because I think yeah. the archery makes tons of sense to me, but in our modern day, we don't do a lot of archery, but we do do a lot of putt-putt. Uh, I haven't done that in a long time either. <clears throat> but we at least have the, the mental yeah. picture of that. Could you share that? Because I think it's just a great illustration of this too. Yeah, at one point in time, I think it was when I had four kids, four and under, and, you know, it's like this daddy getaway with the kids. Mama's going to take, you know, a little afternoon off. So I have all the kids who are at a putt-putt green. And, uh, you know, when you have young kids and you're putt-putting, it's a bit chaotic. And so they don't know what to do with this ball and they could easily lose it in a bush, right? And they don't know what to do with this other than hit their, you know, with that, uh, um, the club, the club, they can hit their brothers and sisters with it. And that's, you know, so it's, it's, it's a unique thing as a parent, you're trying to, you know, steer that, but you want them to catch the vision for it, right? You don't want to just go and, you know, create chaos. You want to actually have some kind of competitive, uh, golfing experience, but with four, four and under, it's not really that competitive. And I'm guessing they were probably a little older than that because I can't imagine I had an infant, uh, uh, putt putting, but they were young, and you do have incredible kids. So who knows? That's true. I could yeah. have just imagine Abby having been an expert putt putter <laughs> when she was three months. Uh, but I remember one of my kids. Let's just say it was Hudson, right? And he really wants to look good on the score sheet, you know, because he's noticing Daddy getting some low numbers, and he's like, "Well, I want to do this too." And so he asks for help. And every father is, of course, desirous to help their son get a good score on their score sheet, right? And so what I would do is I would lean over them. I would, I would hoop it into Kano. I would reach over and I'd put one hand, you know, over their right hand, one hand over their left hand. We'd fix their hands on the, uh, on the putter. And then I'd say, you ready? I'd say, yeah. And then we'd pull back. Here we go. Here we go. And then we hit the ball. And because of and I'm not going to say I'm a great golfer, but because of daddy's expertise, right, which is far superior than, you know, what Hudson had at that time, the ball is going to go in the right direction. It's going to get near its destination, maybe even get a hole in one. You never know, right? And Hudson is going to have the satisfaction on his scorecard for something that actually he couldn't have done if daddy hadn't hooperintu kanod. If I hadn't overshadowed his life and enabled him to actually be able to get that score. And so it's a pretty cool illustration. Yeah. And I, and I love how I usually, as you continue sharing the story, how all the other kids are like, I want the help too. Cause I actually, <laughs> right. it's a great picture of the Christian life that when we live filled with the spirit of the Lord and he we're fully involved and we're fully participating, 
and yet it's it's actually his spirit and his work and his movement in our lives. It's amazing how that actually brings up something in in the people around us yeah. where they're like, uh, that yeah. I, I want that too. Yeah. And we've noticed that with students here where they hang out in our environment. And the, the thing I hear a lot of times is I didn't even know it was possible, yeah. but when I see and I hear it being talked about, it stirs something. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of just this masterpiece idea. And it, it's actually becoming, I think one of my all time favorite things to think through yeah. is just that idea of what does it look like to be fully given over to Jesus Christ and just that willing vessel that just says, okay, do whatever you want with me, but may you be seen. First yeah. uh, John 4, 9 says that Jesus came into the world so that, and I love this phraseology, John says, so that we might live through him. Mm-hmm. In other words, we are not living by our strength. We're not living by our wisdom or our talent or our ability. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's not me who's living, it's Christ living in me. Now, yeah. we're obviously participating, but wouldn't it be amazing, uh, it's, it's that Ian Thomas quote that I love to quote about what if the only explanation for our lives were Jesus? Yeah. And not just even in our prayer lives, but just in the everyday living that somehow people are watching how Eric Ludi is living and they're like, I can't, I can't actually explain that outside of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I have longed for that for years of like, Lord, do whatever is necessary in my life, but could you bring me to the point where you are so seen and so evident that the world is dumbstruck. They actually have no idea how I'm living yeah. outside of Jesus. It's, it's that phrase uh, that Paul uses that we are jars of clay. We're, we're yeah. cracked pots, which is <laughs> a great statement. But it's, it's this grand statement of saying the glory of the Lord is being shoved into these clay vessels. And I love the idea that there's a crack in it because if there is a crack in our lives, because we are very weak, <laughs> we, we need lots of help. But that actually means that the glory of the Lord is seen and evident through our lives. And so in, our, in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our inability, he wants to show his ability, which creates this incredible masterpiece because it's actually just a picture of him. I think, uh, you know, if we go back to the slab of marble and now the slab of marble is us, we oftentimes take the role of sculptor and we're like, okay, God, I know you want to do something great in and through my life. So I'm going to take my hammer and my chisel and I'm going to try and fix myself. And for those of you that are listening, I'm guessing there's quite a few that have tried that, they would know that it doesn't work. And in fact, it just frustrates you all the more. Yep. But that doesn't mean you're not onto something. You actually, God does desire to conform you into the image of his dear son. But the way he does it needs to be a spirit work, not a self-effort work. And so one of my mental pictures is we still are just like, we're, you know, my Hudson was putt-putting. Well, we're still sculpting. So we're a part, we're a player in the mix of seeing our life changed. So we're not just bystanders going, oh, I wonder what God's going to do next. But he invites us into the storyline. So like the putt-putting story, I still need to grab the, the putter and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready, but I can't do this without you. Fix your hands over my hands. Show me how to do this because I'm going to get a bad score unless you assist me. And the same is true with changing our lives. And so I picture the chisel against the marble of our lives and I picture the hammer. And so he gives them both to us. It's called prayer. It's called obedience. It's called willingness. It's called submission. And so we're like, okay, God, I'm ready. Here, Here I am. Use me. And so as we pull back the hammer to hit the chisel, we don't even know exactly how to do this. Sort of like it says in Romans 8, we don't know how we ought to pray. 
I don't know how I'm supposed to do this, Lord. And it's just a groan oftentimes. It's a wheeze of saying, Lord, help me. That's all he needs. He just needs the movement. And then he hooperentukanos, he puts his hand on our hand over the chisel, his hand over our hand on the hammer, and he just needs our willingness. And if we're willing to move in the direction that he is calling us to move, he does the work. And that is the magnificence of his pattern. And that's so encouraging to me because I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't. I don't have to know what areas of my life need chiseling. I just need to be ready to hit the chisel. Yeah. And his his spirit, his grace actually says, see that? Uh, yeah, that needs to be changed. See yeah. that that attitude? Yeah. That needs to be transformed. See that mindset? Yeah, that needs to be overhauled. And it's, and it's as we walk in that reality, he does create truly a, a masterpiece. We were talking right before we started this episode, this idea of sometimes in prayer, if we can just use that as the illustration, we have no idea what to pray. We have no idea, like, what, what say, this situation, how on earth do we pray yeah. in this situation? Because there, there's, like, a tension of what we could be praying for. Yeah. Could you flesh that out a little bit? Because I think it's just really Yeah, helpful. and I think it does. It matches well and probably even be a good conclusion uh, for this. But I, the illustration I've oftentimes used is the 90-year-old will make a man. It's a 90-year-old man who is... On his deathbed, he has a very serious illness, and but he's a strong believer, surrounded by a strong uh, family of believers. Now the question comes out, so how do we pray? Do we pray for him to be supernaturally healed? Because God can get glory out of that. And imagine he rises up and walks out of uh, his deathbed and lives another 10 years strong for Jesus. Well, praise God, that would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, we should ask for that. And then this other person over here goes, well, doesn't Paul say that to live as Christ, to die is gain? If I was him, <laughs> I'd sort of be excited to get home. He's lived a great, robust life for Christ. Why would we pray that he stays around 10 more years when he could be with Jesus? And now everyone's confused. <laughs> and there are moments in life that are like this. It's not always in prayer, but there's there's situations where we don't know how we ought to pray. We just don't. It's like It seems like you're competing against the word one way or the other. And that's where the submission comes in to say, Lord, you know. And of course, that's asking for wisdom to start with. But the way that I would express it is it's a very specific way that you even articulate what the prayer is. What What should you pray in this situation? Well, I'll tell you. You pray for his maximum glory. And I think that has solved a lot of riddles in my life is how God makes his masterpiece. God, you do it. I'm okay with what it is. If if it's death or if it's more life, praise God. I embrace it. I am not going to argue over how it's done or what you're doing. I'm going to submit and say it's better than anything I could ever do. And I trust your ways. They are higher than mine. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.